We thank you, Lord, for uh, your message to us today. We ask you to just help us with your anointing. Open our ears to hear. Our hearts are receptive to what you want to say to us. Father, your word is so precious and important to us. And we thank you, Lord, for that holy word that keeps us and helps us. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to talk to our message from God for today is look again until you see what God sees. Look again until you see what God sees. And it's very important for us to uh, understand that when God promises us something, it's signed in his blood. It's it's underwritten or um, backed up uh, by a blood covenant. And uh, a blood covenant cannot be broken. The scripture cannot be broken. Once God makes a promise, he will bring it to pass. <coughs> He's not looking to us to do it. He is the one who will do it. So when we talk about the promises of God, we're talking about things that are, are written in blood. The blood really means that uh, that person that is giving that promise swears his own life. That he will fulfill that or he must take his own life. God always gave covenants of blood whenever he would deal with people. And that was always a sign of the sincerity of a person. So when we talk about God's word being backed up by an oath and a promise, that means that the oath is where uh, he, he swears uh, by him, his own self. You know, the Bible says because he could swear by no higher, he swore by himself. And what that means is God has made a promise to himself that he won't break any promise that he's made to us. And so our promises in God are backed up double with his word and also by his life. And so, and that's the way people, people dealt with things, uh, back in old times. I know sometimes when we were kids, I don't know, I know many of you are trying to count back that many decades, but when I was a child, it was real common for us to say, I swear, I swear, I swear on so and so, I swear on such and such. Well, we get that from this process of the blood covenant. Uh, people would make blood covenants between different groups of people. That's how people didn't fight forever. Uh, they would settle wars and treaties by uh, the shedding of blood. One person making the treaty would cut a wrist or cut his finger and uh, the mingle the blood with the other person saying that they were there was peace between them and they were one life now. And that's what God does with us in our born again experience. We become one life with God so that Jesus moves into our hearts by the Holy Spirit and he begins to live through us. So that's what makes our covenant so rich and so valuable. It's kind of a no-fail covenant because it's not you by yourself working this out. It's you with the help of God. And so God has sworn these things that he will fulfill every single word and every single promise that he has given to everybody who believes. Our only our only uh, um, part in it is to mix our faith with his word and to hold on to it and, and believe it will come to pass. So what God wants you to do is continue to look in faith for the things that he's promised you. He wants us to continue to look and look again for the things that he has promised to give us. So in 1 Kings chapter 18, if you'll turn there, and, and I'll give you a little background here. Uh, in in uh, uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, because the nation of Israel has been in disobedience, God sent the prophet Elijah to give a word to the people and to the king there. The, the root of Israel's disobedience was really the disobedience of the leader, their king, who was Ahab. You know, he was married to a heathen woman named Jezebel, and they would worship other gods. They made human sacrifices. They did all kinds of wickedness before God. And so when God begins to shake things up, wants to get people's attention, he'll stop some things from happening that are necessary. Necessary for life. One thing he stopped was rain. Rain was very 
essential for crops because uh, Israel was kind of an arid or a dry uh, land and they needed rain often to make sure that they could have crops and they could live. And so Ahab, he tells, uh, God tells Elijah in, uh, 1st Kings 17 verse 1, Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, this is him swearing an oath to the king, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came to him saying, Get thee hence, turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook of Cherith, which is before Jordan. And it shall be that you will drink of the brook, and I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. Now, if Elijah has given a word that it's not going to rain until he gives another word, he said it, my word. What that means is this guy's got to live to end the drought. So Elijah had a kind of protection, a kind of divine protection, because back in the day, if they didn't like what prophets said, they would take him and stone him to death. Uh, if they didn't like you, they'd ignore your words, all of that. But Elijah knows that he has to be the one to end the drought when he hears from God again to tell them that it's going to rain. Amen. So God then has to sustain the prophet. He has to take care of him because he is God's mouthpiece for rain to show up and for rain to stop. He never told Elijah how long the drought would be. And so Elijah has to live by faith just like everybody else there has to live by faith. He's got to make sure that he obeys God in order to live. So in, again in 1 Kings 18 in verse 1 it says it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. So this was a three year drought but at the time Elijah gave the word nobody knew how long it was going to be. It's important if you're obedient to God to look for the promises to continue no matter what's going on around you in your midst. God will never punish the righteous with the wicked. So the righteous always have a way to live. They always have a way to be sustained. They always have something coming in. They always have a job. They always have money. They always have substance. Uh, you know, all of that. If, if, if it works out that there's nothing, uh, uh, there or, or no, no crops, no rain, no anything. Uh, remember when Solomon was anointed king and he prayed to God and asked God for wisdom. He told Solomon said, if the rain stops, if the crops dry up, etc etc he said if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face so we always have a way back to god amen i don't care how bad you are i don't care what you did i don't care what you don't like who who you don't like and who don't like you we always have a way back into the blessings of god and he said if you'll humble my yourselves seek my face and turn away from your wicked ways amen and that doesn't mean uh you know like real bad or not real bad that means anything you're doing you know whatever you ask god what he wants you to turn away from amen and and, and obey god and you'll see the rain kick up again you'll see everything begin again and and god will be Pleased. And so God now is setting an emotion away for the, the people to be blessed again, for them to be able to eat again, for them to be able to be sustained again, because he is bringing people to repentance. Amen. Just like he's doing in this country. I've never seen so many Christians now who are wanting to pray. And I can remember for years we, we would have, we would have, uh, spurts of people interested in praying as a ministry but pretty much people once they get what they want personally they forget about the ministry of prayer and so in in prayer has to go on continually if people are going to get blessed if you're going to get blessed and in this nation's going to prosper your city is going to prosper everything's going to come back somebody has to continually pray amen and so it's a good thing to understand how god works in these things because as long as he can find humble people who are willing to pray there is a chance that blessing will come into a city a nation a house 
household, amen, a family, whatever it is, we must pray and seek God's face. God, what is it, what are we doing that's not pleasing to you? What are we doing as a nation that's not according to your plan for us? What are we doing, Father, that we need to pray for you to reverse it? Speak to people in authority. Speak to people in power so that they can carry out the laws that you want to see carried out so that people can be blessed and prosper. And so when we take that attitude, we have an an inroad into the blessings of God. We have a way in to survival. And more than to survival, we have a way to thrive before God. Look at the prophet. He was able to barely survive. He drank from the brook. And when the brook dried up, God brought another source and another source and another source. And so it depends on us paying attention to God, uh, focusing on God and seeing what God sees in order for us to prosper. So in 1 Kings 18, let's drop down to verse 44. Now I'll just, I'll just summarize what has happened in this period of time. So God told the prophet to tell the king that I'm gonna send rain again. So this drought is ended. But that doesn't mean that the people are doing everything right. That means that God is open to get the people right. God has to show people their error. He has to show us our sin. He has to show us what displeases him so that we can address those things particularly and turn away from them so that we can be blessed. You know, nobody, listen, I don't care how wonderful you think living a life of, of leisure and, and, and uh, sinfulness and just doing what you want to do, how, how wonderful you think that is. When there's no food on the table and you're sleeping out in a homeless tent, you get the you get the hint that it's time to make some changes. Amen. Anybody who's right in their mind will get the hint that there is time to make some changes. And so this is where God has brought Israel to. They are now going to be open to what God tells them to do. And so Elijah calls for the false prophets, the ones that Queen Jezebel supports and she listens to. You know, that would be your psychics. That would be your, uh, you know, psychic network, uh, Long Island medium, all of those people that don't hear from our God. Amen. They hear voices, but it's not our God. It's not the right God. And so they had this on going on back in the, in the days of, of Israel. And so they were listening to their own prophets and they were listening to their own ideas as to how to live. So Elijah takes these uh, false prophets up to Mount Carmel and he challenges their God against his God. So he puts them to a test. He gathers all of the people around and he he states that he wants the prophets of Baal to call on their God and see if he answers. And they set up an altar and called on their God from early in the morning until almost sunset and their God never answered. And so Elijah said, well, I'm going to call on our God and the God that answers us. He's the real God. He's the living God. Amen. He's the one. So God's not afraid to prove himself to people. You understand? These people should be ashamed of themselves because they'd live for God for, for hundreds of years by now. And they turn away from him because something else gets their attention and they focus away from God. And they start hearing what the world hears. They start hearing what other gods hear. And so God will not share his people with anybody. He wants us to be totally devoted to him. Why? So we can prosper. So we can be blessed. You can't be blessed if you're listening to every every wind and wave of doctrine here, there, a little bit here, snatch a little here and a little. That's why God says, look again. To what I'm telling you. Pay attention to me. So you can know what the truth is. Listen to me. So that I can speak to you. And tell you what the truth is. And what's going to work for you. And God's always been that way. 
And so by the time this these false prophets, they begin to cut themselves and shed their own blood to see if their God would answer. And he never, ever answered. And so Elijah then set up an altar to the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Jesus Christ. Amen. And he set up that altar and, and put water, poured water on the altar. Of course, you know when a drought, water is scarce. So it would have to be important. If you want water, you sacrifice water. Amen? Even though God said the drought would end, there needed to be a response from the people so that their faith would be involved in what God's doing. See, God just can't say, well, I'm going to end the drought, and then we do nothing. We have to believe it. And in that day, in order to show your worship, devotion, and faith in God, you made an altar. You made a sacrifice to him. And so the people want water. They douse this altar with water. In verse 35, it says, The water ran around about the altar and filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord God, the Lord, he is God. You know, God knows how to reveal himself to everybody. Don't ever think somebody's too bad and too wicked, too sinful. Too, they don't get too bad for him. You know, when God says he will save, save your whole household, that means everybody. Amen. Even old drunk cousin, cousin Walter and Uncle, Uncle Bob. You know, that comes in and falls down on the Christmas tree every year. <laughs> he comes in drunk and he leaves drunk. Believe God, he'll come in drunk and leave sober. Amen. Because God knows how to reveal himself to people. He cut through their sin, their darkness, their nonsense. You know, I've got family members I'm still praying for. I had a, a, a nephew. I call him a project. And... uh this has been going on ever since I've been saved. You know, I'm the crazy aunt. You know, to the ones who are saved, you know, they love me. But to the, I call them outlaws, you know, outsiders. They think I'm crazy. And they're, oh boy, here she comes with that, that Jesus stuff. I say, yeah, I'm here, whatever. And, uh, but, but he's a project. And, and he's, he's the one years ago, uh, I saw him walking on a cane and, and God had just started me praying for the sick well maybe i've been praying for the sick maybe about three or four years but we hadn't started the healing schools or anything like that yet and so i i looked at his cane i said what's wrong with you and he said uh um what do you tell oh yeah he said i'm gonna i was in a car accident i said when and he said it's been about a year ago i said you still limping and so he said, yeah. I said, well, let me pray for you. And so I prayed for him and we, he went his way. I went my way. And, uh, he called me about three weeks later. Auntie, I don't know what that stuff is you touched me with. He said, but he said, I went to the mall with my cane. He said, and I got to my car after I left the mall and realized I did not have my cane with me. He said, I walked all the way back in and got my cane again. He said, now look down. I said, I don't need that cane. I'm healed. Amen. And he would go around sharing that testimony with all of us. He said, I got friends. He said, auntie, when, when they turn on Benny Hinn and they laugh at him and say, oh, they believe that stuff. That's fake. He said, man, you better not mess with that stuff is real. He said, cause my aunt, you know, and he goes and gives his testimony, but he would never give his heart to the Lord. And so recently God told me, he said, just start praying for him and thanking me for, for, and sure enough, about three or four months ago, he called me and he said, I see the light. 
He said, I see now the missing ingredient has always been God. He said, I've been trying to do things on my own. And he just ran everything down. I said, now he's had a revelation of God. Amen. So don't ever fear that God won't reveal himself to people. We always pray for people in this neighborhood. I don't care if they do serve another God. He's a false God. He's not alive. He can't do anything for him. So when we understand that our God is alive, amen, he's able to help people. He's able to heal people. He's able to do things for people. That's all you need to know is you've got the real thing. Amen. You have the real thing. And so uh, we have no fear that God will not save people from, from whatever it is, the depths of whatever. And so the people that were there after all these years of serving false gods and taking their cattle and sacrificing them to false gods and hoping something good would happen, now all of a sudden their eyes are open and they can see what God wants them to see. Amen. And so... They had to destroy the false prophets and all the false things that they had once believed in. And the people were obedient to do that. And so when the fire fell and and uh, revealed the real, true, and living God, and only God can, can order the situation that's going to cause their eyes to be open. Amen. But just believe that there will be a day. Where they will come to an understanding of who God really is. Don't you try to orchestrate something. Don't you go out and build some little fakey altar and try to call rain down fire from heaven and all this kind of stuff. Just chill out, okay? And let God orchestrate. It it might be the, the simplest thing that happens that God reveals himself to him. But he will do it. Amen? So God is moving in our midst. And he wants his movements to be known by all people, saints and sinners alike. You know, we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When they're a sign for unbelievers, you know, unbelievers can't sense in the spirit like believers can. So they need signs. Amen. God leads believers through the, the leading of the Holy Spirit and through his word. We don't need to see something with our visible eyes to know God's real and to know he's moving. In fact, he prefers that we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. So we go along our, our daily routine with faith in our hearts, believing that God will do what he says he's going to do. And so here we see in verse 44, uh, 41, Elijah said to Ahab, get up. Eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So these people have been fasting or semi-fasting because there wasn't much food around. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. And he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees, which means he prayed. Amen. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. That's why God wants us to look again until we see what he says we're supposed to see. Because it's there. Many times we don't understand why we're not encouraged about our healing or why we're not encouraged about our finances, about a family situation, all these things. And it's because we are not looking at what God wants us to look at. We are, we're off focus because it doesn't mean that God's changed his mind. He's not a man that he should lie. His word is sure. The, the scripture cannot be broken. Amen. His word cannot be broken to us. He will do what he says he's going to do. But many times as believers, we get our focus off of what God has told us and on to what the natural seems to be dictating to us. And God is telling us, go back and look again. Uh, you know, many times people, if they don't get you know, say if you're in pain off and on or you got a chronic condition, if it doesn't move when we get tired of waiting for it to move, you know what I'm saying, then we want to say, well, uh, you know, like sometimes I'll tell people, I say, well, are you are you studying your word every day? You're meditating or you got a scripture that you're standing on for your healing? Well, yeah, but but what 
It's the word that heals us. So go back and look again. Amen. God, you don't need anything else except God's word. That's, that's what will heal you. The Bible says he sent his word and healed them, delivered them from their destructions. That word is all the power that you need. And so when Elijah, the Elijah here, is is involved in in several different maneuvers at one time. He has a servant that is assisting him who is really a prophet in training. This is how prophets were trained. They went out and they walked with the other with the elder prophet and ministered with him when they were in the camp and not out doing ministry they learned how to offer up the sacrifices they would read the scriptures you know which were on tablets or scrolls or whatever they had at the time and so there was a school of the prophets like what we have here on Saturdays we're in training to understand how to use the word of god to affect the change that God wants to see in the earth. Amen. And so the way that the prophet, younger prophet was trained was to listen to the voice of the elder prophet who had the word of God. Amen. Just like Eli and uh, Samuel. Remember God woke Samuel up and called him three times in the middle of the night and he got up and woke Eli up and said, did you call me? Amen. And so Eli said, no, he said, I didn't go back and go to sleep. And he got up again and again. God was training Samuel under Eli to know his voice. So Samuel was accustomed to hearing God's voice through Eli. But now God wants to cut him off from that because Eli's about to be. He's about to leave the earth. He's under judgment from God. And so God gets the younger kid, Samuel, trained so that he can now step into the office that Eli is going to be vacating. Amen. So he's training him under Eli. And so Eli pretty much understands. He knows what he's been doing. He knows he's not pleasing to God. And he knows that his his time is very limited. And so this is the transition where God starts to speak to Samuel directly. But you know that he's been trained properly because he thinks it's the man of God talking to him still. Amen. And that's a, a tribute to the, the senior man of God. Amen. That he heard accurately from God and he trained this boy accurately. Even though the nation, his sons were backslid, every that was in chaos. There's always going to be somebody who can hear from God, folks. I don't care how bad things, I don't care how many preachers backslide, how many people steal money, how many people, uh, you know, get worldly in the way that they, they do their ministry and so forth. God has somebody in the earth who can hear from him and will be faithful, amen, with God's message. So let that person be you. He said, God, I don't care who does what and how they do it. I'm going to stay faithful. Amen? Because if you serve God for any length of time, you've seen people come and go. I know I have. You know, you see people gung-ho. Oh, God, praise God, praise God. Next thing you know, they're not there anymore. They haven't even been in a church for many years. Nowadays, people substitute television for church or Facebook, social media. You know, they they feel like they can get God from anywhere. You understand what I'm saying? But God has an ordained place for you to receive what he has for you. So praise God. Because that way you get what God has for you. You're not getting scraps off of somebody's message and trying to live off of that. You know, it's, it's just not right. God has better things for us than that. So anyway, we see here also in this passage, you see a, a, a picture of prophetic training between the younger and the older prophet. Amen. Remember Ezekiel, God would ask him, what do you see? And he would tell him what he saw. And God said, you have well seen, for I will hasten that. If he hadn't seen the right thing, God would keep working with him until he was able to give him clarity. Amen. God doesn't scrap anybody. If you're called to God, he'll work with you until you can focus and and get your gifts developed to see the way God sees. So our senses must be exercised to discern good and evil if we're going to hear accurately from God and the voice of God. And we will 
He says, my sheep know my voice. Another they won't follow. Amen. So God is always moving in our midst. And he wants his movements to be known by his people. And by all people. Amen. In Amos 3 it tells us God will do nothing except before he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. And so God has secrets. He must have secrets. Because if he let everybody know everything about what he's planning, the enemy would be wind up winning. Amen. So God will always uh, not disclose things that in his wisdom he feels it's not time to share. Then there are some things that are on a time schedule that God will reveal. And then he will hold people accountable for what he's revealed to them. Amen. So in this case, the prophet had received the word of the Lord that there was coming abundance of rain. So the senior prophet heard the word first. Amen. He heard God say, I'm going to end the drought. After that, he heard the sound of abundance of rain. In verse 41, Elijah said to Ahab, get up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. Now, I don't know if everybody heard it or not, but the prophet heard it in the spirit. And so you have to prepare for the blessings of God. And I think that's why God pre prepares people. And warns them in advance what he's about to do. So that you'll be prepared to receive what God has for you. Uh, Faith is expectation. Faith prepares you to receive. Faith opens your heart up so you won't miss what God is doing. Because the church is notorious for missing the move of God. It's it's a proven fact. Like throughout the history of the church, there have been outpourings of God's spirit, and people who didn't understand what God was doing would fight it. They would persecute the people who were uh, moving with the spirit of God. Uh, it, Sister Mariah Etter, who was. Uh, Prophetess, actually an apostle and a prophetess during the turn of the century. This was before the Azusa Street Revival. She preached a lot in Ohio. There's, uh, her uh, diaries are full of encounters with God in different little places around the state of Ohio. When she would go into a town, the, the bad people in the town would come into her meetings and mock her, try to go up on the stage and take over her meetings. Uh, many dropped dead in her meetings trying to fight her because the power of God was so strong and God meant for people to receive what he had for them as a blessing. Many church people would establish churches like you at that time it was the Methodists, the Presbyterians, what we would call fundamentalist type denominations. They always fought the spirit filled people. They fought the holy rollers and the tongue talkers is what we were called back in the day. And we were persecuted by our own people, people in the church. And the Presbyterians would be praying for God to pour out his power and when it came They didn't recognize it. So that's why God sends an advance message. I'm on my way. Isn't that what he did with John the Baptist? He told the people, warned the people, get yourselves together. God's about to come. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. In other words, get your eyes open for what God's going to do. Put your judgment away. Put your sin away. And just let your spirit be be free to receive what God is about to do. Because when people don't know it's God, they don't prepare. Amen. So that's why God gives us a chance to look again. And look again, and look again, and look again, look again, because this is me. Amen. Sometimes it takes several look agains for us to really focus in and say, well, I think that is God. You know, I think that is God. I'll give you a good example. When when I was a new Christian, I would watch um, uh, healing ministers on television. And I would sit there and say, God, is that really you? Would you really do that? Why? Because I had no experience with it. 
what you have experience with will often dictate how you see things. And if you've only had experience with people getting sick, and I've been a nurse for many years. My experience was people got sick and they went to the hospital. Sometimes you got well and sometimes you get didn't. And if they couldn't do anything for you, you just died. That was my experience. And so it began to be hard for me until I went back into the scriptures and began to study the word. And I began to believe what I read in the Bible. And then what I saw God doing in the reality of life was easier for me to accept. So I finally put away my doubt and suspicion. Now that sounds strange to you now because the knowledge of God's healing power is so common. But when it's not common, there are people who really don't believe those things. And so God says to those people, take another look. Amen. That's what I did. I looked again. I went to the scriptures and I studied and I prayed. And I looked again and looked again until I got peace and got settled on the inside of me that this was God doing the work. And look what he's did with our ministry. Now we we have meetings and, and God heals people in those meetings. Why? Because it's worth it to look again. Amen. If you look again, you'll see what God wants you to see and it'll pay off for you and for other people. And so it's a good thing that, that we focus and pay attention. If we don't see what God sees is there the first time, look again. Because if he tells you it's there, he, it is there. So the word of the drought, the word came that the drought would end. So the prophet began to expect rain. The first thing that came, uh, first of his senses that came alive to that word was his hearing. He heard the sound of abundance of rain. Amen. I think it was in the year 2000 at one of our conferences. Um, I still see that video on YouTube. Um uh, it's it's the most watched video that we have on there. And uh, I remember God telling me, I just got up and took the mic. I, he didn't really tell me what he wanted, wanted me to say. And the first thing that came out of my mouth was, I hear it. Don't you hear it? I hear it. Don't you hear it? I hear the sound of abundance of rain. And he began to prophesy through me that... Detroit would come back. He said, even in famine in Detroit, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Amen. And I began to ask the people, don't you hear it? Can you hear it? Remember that drip, 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 rain, rain, rain. Yep, abundance of rain. And so, so when we start to, and that was over, no, look at it. It's 17 years later and we're now getting it. See? It started a few years back, I would say a couple years back, but we're now getting, we're getting the trickle, but the abundance is yet to come. So I'm not satisfied with the few businesses that are cropping up. I won't be satisfied until uh, Detroit is abundantly blessed with industry the way it once was. Amen. And so we're going to hold God to his word because we're seeing it come to pass. Amen. So the more of us that can believe it, I believe the greater the the faith is that that God will bring it and he's preparing the hearts of people to receive it and not fight it. Amen. Because it's possible to fight it too. You know, people, we've had evil reports out about American-made products and now we're seeing Japanese uh, companies have stolen our our patents and our copyrights and all, and copied made cheaper versions and sold them back to us. All that's being exposed now. Amen. And so we, we know we've made a superior product, but it's amazing how the enemy can deceive people into thinking that what some, some new people have is, is superior to what we have here. Amen. We, we, we do even a better job. Amen. So now, remember, people were buying all them little teeny cars and uh, Japanese cars that tear up so fast. Now they back getting the SUVs. <laughs> That's what they really wanted all along, you know. You can get intimidated into taking second best. Just make sure you stay with what God has for you. Amen. You want a big, big truck? Get you a big truck. 
And get your big gun to set on the hood of it. Whatever you want. I don't care. But, you know, get what you want. Whatever's legal, go ahead and go for it. Amen. <laughs> don't let the devil intimidate you out of. Amen. I know one thing. If, 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 if something runs into me, I run into something. I'm going to survive. You got me? <laughs> I know I'm not going to have an accident. But in case of it, mine's big enough. I'll be the survivor. Amen. All right, so the prophet expected rain, and he heard the sound of a lot of rain. Not just a little sprinkle, because they needed a lot of rain. Uh, Israel was a fairly large nation at that time, and God wanted to bless all of his people. Amen? When blessing comes, there's an overflow. God's no respecter of persons. He will bless everybody, even those in the near vicinity. So there will be enough for you and for your neighbors. So don't don't get poverty in your mind when God starts blessing. He blesses abundantly. So the prophet was first to to perceive the rain. He did it by hearing. And he passed the word along to his servant, the prophet in training. And he told him to go look. Go look for a cloud. He said, I hear the sound of abundance of rain and I want you to go look for it. Now, it's good to have two witnesses in what God's doing because he said in the mouth of two or three witnesses is every word established. And in order for the, the, the junior prophet to put his faith in motion, he had to do something. So what did Ahab, t- uh, not, uh, not Ahab, what did Elijah tell him to do? He told the senior prophet to go and tell Ahab to get into his chariot and ride and go back to Jezreel before he gets caught in the mud. And there's no rain anywhere. There's not even a cloud in the sky. So in order for this young prophet to be able to see the cloud, he's got to put his faith in motion by speaking as though it's happened already. You got me? Let me find that. This is uh, verse 44, I think it is. Uh, it says, and it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, oh, this was after he looked again. I'm sorry. He, he looked seven times. After that, he goes and prophesies to Ahab. So he gives him an easy job. He said, behold, there arise a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he says, go up, say to Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain would not stop you. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind and there was great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. So now the drought is broken because of people who looked and looked and looked until they saw what God was doing. We have to be people of faith who are willing to go and look and and expect things when nothing's there. You have to be able to expect that your your healing will come when you're in the midst of severe symptoms. When the doctors give you the worst report, you still got to hold on to the word. You got to look in your Bible and see what God says about your body, about your health, about all of these things in order to overcome and see what God has for you. Because it won't be visible to the naked eye. You're going to have to see with the eyes of the spirit, which is a larger vision. The eyes of the spirit is always stronger, more powerful. It's a blessing. It's not trouble. You know, um, uh, God's not going to tell you you're going to die before your time. You understand what I'm saying? When he went to to uh, um, King Hezekiah, He told him, he says, get your affairs in order because you will surely die. Hezekiah pleaded with God for more time. That's what you do. This is what all we do when we hear a bad report from the doctors. We go to God and we plead for more time. Amen. It happens so often. You know, I've seen people 
that God will heal. They'll hold on to faith. You know, you'll have a, a young mother with small children. I just want to live to see my kids grow up. And, and sure enough, somehow they find a treatment that works or, you know, they'll stay in the word if, if they're looking to God only to heal them. Sometimes he's your only help. They'll tell you there's nothing they can do for you. Amen. You might as well go home. We've tried everything. We can give you some stuff, but I don't think it's going to work. You understand what I'm saying? Well, once you ask God for more time, he'll lead you to how you're going to be healed. Amen. Just follow God. Just go and look and look and look again because your healing is there your promise is there as long as God is alive there's hope for us that what we need is there amen it's already there you know when you start to feed on God's word if there's something disturbed in your body the minute you start to believe God's word that healing starts to work in you I don't care what it feels like looks like anything That word is working in you once you start to believe it. What the enemy wants us to do is get so caught up in what the natural looks like that we walk away and quit looking. Amen. We quit looking. When the the word look is defined in several different ways, it really means to expect and to focus your attention on. When you look at something, you're expecting to see something. Amen. If if sometimes you can look at something, glance at it, and then you look away and you look again. Amen. Is that what I thought it was? You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Anybody ever see anything green on the ground and you wonder, that might be money. Let me go back and look again. Amen. So you go looking, expecting, and you look at it's just green paper or a, or a chewing gum wrapper. Oh, shoot, it ain't money after all. But you were expecting, see, you were expecting the right thing, amen? So you go expecting. When you look at something, you're expecting to see something. The word look also means to search for. It means to focus your attention on, to meditate on it, process it in your thinking. Sometimes we memorize it in our vision. You know, your, your vision, you really see with our brains. We don't see with our eyes. Um, the eye is just the lens through which, but you see with your brain. And, and your brain has memory. You ever wonder how artists can look at something and draw it perfectly and they're not looking at it anymore? Amen. So they captured the photo of it in their brain. And we can draw from that. It's like when you, when, when you, uh, have a scripture in your heart, by his stripes, I am healed. You can recall that and recall it and let it minister to you and meditate on it. And, and if you've got pain, that pain will leave if you stay focused on it and you expect it to leave because you're feeding your, your spirit with that thing. And your spirit is able to feed your body. Amen. Your spirit is stronger than any part of you and it stores a lot of, of health, a lot of deliverance, a lot of word and a lot of power. And so allow your spirit to Absorb these things from the word of God. Meditate on them. Let your soul get cleansed by the washing of the water of the word. Let all of the negative stuff in your brain get washed out by the promises of God. Amen. God, I know what the doctors say, but your word says that I'm healed. And I believe your word. Why do you believe God's word instead? Because you want to see it come to pass. You don't want to be sick. Amen. You want to be well. And so you accept the word of God. You adopt the word of God. And you look again at that word. You keep looking again and again and again until it comes to life for you. And it continues to live in you. It also means, the word look means to search for. I am looking for health and wholeness. I'm not looking for sickness. Amen. I'm looking for a blessing. I'm not looking for trouble. Amen. I'm looking for my family to serve God and for there to be peace in my household. I'm not looking for disturbance. Amen. So we look to God's word to get assurance that he will bring those things to us. If you have a blood covenant with God, that scriptures can't be broken in your life. God has to perform what he promises you. Amen. 
The word look also means to look for the Lord and to look after the things of God. To look again. And on the seventh time, the prophet's servant saw that cloud the size of a man's fist. Amen. Suppose he'd stopped at six. Huh? Suppose he had stopped at six. Many times we quit because we're not expecting. If you look with expectation, you will see what God wants you to see. Amen. So he, he kept going back at the, at the, um, command of the senior prophet. Thank God he knew how to respect authority. Amen. And how to, to do what he was being taught to do. Amen. He wants to be a successful prophet. So that's why you obey. You want to be successful. So he was instructed to instruct the king to go before he got stuck in the flood. God gives us advanced knowledge to prepare us for both the good and the bad. Amen. He gives us warning to prepare us for bad things, but he gives us knowledge to prepare us for good things. Rain is always synonymous with blessing, but can also be too much rain. Amen. And can cause flood. And so God wants to prepare his people Amen. To allow the blessing to flow and to allow the overflow for him to take care of others with it. So he always advance, warns his people what he's doing in the earth. That's why he gives us prophecy. Prophecy is merely a report of what God's plan is for us. Amen. It's a way prophecy helps you to focus on what's important right now. Uh, It's not to tell you flattering things about yourself, but it's to prepare you to put other things off to the side that don't pertain to that right now and to keep your focus on this, to look and look and look again. So when God gives us a word, we are to look for it to come to pass. Now, how many of you know that your little brain will get sick of waiting? God doesn't tell us to just wait. We're to wait and look with expectation, anticipation. I know we think, and this is the way we think about things. If we expect something and it doesn't happen today, right now, dagnabbit, I'm giving you 10 days to get this in my house. If it don't happen, I'm going to be mad. Then you get over yourself. We all get over ourselves, amen, because we know our squirming and threatening and all of that stuff is never going to reach heaven. God is not impressed with us threatening to quit serving him or you know, threatening whatever we threaten. We're going to be mad. We're going to be upset. But in, and you can always go back. And it's amazing how when you get over that and you repent, and you get back in your word and you start to worship. Oh God, I'm so sorry. I, I believe you. I trust you. I don't care how long it takes. Oh. Ever said that? Yes. I don't care if I get it or not. I'm going to still serve you. Huh? We got to show that devotion to God. He's not blessing spoiled children. He's blessing mature people. Because he, it takes maturity to do the job he wants us to do down here. You can't be just after things for you all the time and be a faithful servant of God. You'll quit in a, in a New York minute. You walk away from everything God has for you because you don't know how to let peace descend on you and how to, uh, uh correct yourself when you drift off into, uh, Unbelief is really what it is. You know, it's easy to get in unbelief because you sit there and look out how long it's been, what you feel like, what the doctor said, what the bank says, what everybody says, and then you're mad at God because you're looking at something else instead of go look again at what he's promised you. Go look again. Look again keeps you from giving up. It keeps you from quitting. It keeps you from fainting. Look again keeps you in faith. So God wants you to look at that scripture again 
And quit whining about how you feel. Quit whining about what hasn't happened yet. Quit whining about the whole thing and go back and look again. So when he gives us a word, we're to look for it to come to pass and proceed with our life in full assurance of faith that it is coming no matter what we see or don't see. No matter what happens... We keep looking, whatever what transpires, we keep looking for what he promised. Don't get passive and nonchalant. Stay in expectation. Amen. Don't let that thing settle in on you. Well, it's been so many days and it hasn't happened. Or, well, I've been praying. I know it's been like two years I've been expecting God to do this and it hasn't happened yet. Don't get that. Don't keep time on God. Because I can tell you, whatever you're believing him to do, it's on schedule. God keeps his schedule. He keeps his promise. Amen. See, we never ask when, do we? Because we won't get an answer. Amen. (laughs) Why would you want to know when? Well, Oh, so we can quit doing what we're doing. Uh-huh. Everybody likes to do that. I'll, oh, it's coming next year. Well, I'm going to take a year off serving God and just shape up three months before it's time to. Huh? I'm going to stop building the garage because it's not going to get here for a year. I was talking to somebody recently and they were saying they they wanted to move. And I said, well, start packing. They said, okay. Okay. You know how people give you that. I don't know what she's talking about. Okay. Oh, you want to move? Start packing. So they little bit by little bit started packing. You know, I call it um, (laughs) not really enthusiastic packing, but, uh, uh, you know, sneaking packing. Like, we don't want to make any noise with this like we really believe God. Whenever God tells you to do something, do it out loud. The devil needs to see you moving against his control over you moving against your status quo moving against you're not going somewhere and you want to go there what did Noah do the minute God spoke to him he started building the ark that's what we're supposed to do that's what faith tells you to do if you're expecting a, a new vehicle and the, your garage isn't big enough start adding on to it huh so uh, my little, my little disciples, packing, packing. I check in with them periodically. You still packing? Huh? I'm not talking about your concealed carry permit. You know. People always get the wrong idea. Anyway. But, uh, they say, oh yeah, we're packing. They hadn't packed in a while and I knew it. So they run and go start packing again. That's where faith is. If you don't keep it up there, it'll wane on you. So one day they, they come to me and said, guess what? I said, hmm, let me guess. We found a place. We think we went. I said, oh, you all packed? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, they weren't all packed. Huh? But God did it anyway. You understand what I'm saying? And now they will know. That we will be better prepared if we are expecting, diligent, and faithful. Amen. In our preparation of our faith, expressing your faith. And so when, when we understand how God moves in things, that he wants us to go look and look and look again, keep looking. Their packing was a symbol of them looking. They're looking for God to move them. We're expecting God to get us a nice place. We're expecting God to get us the things that we desire. We're expecting, expecting, expecting. Amen? And so look again. You know, God will do what he's promised. So no matter what transpires in the meantime, look for what he's promised. 
I told them before, I said, your moving does not depend on money. That's when you get them real strange looks. They like, what's she talking about? I said, I spoke English. Your moving is not financial. It's up to your faith. When your faith is right, the money will show up. Oh, okay. Huh? We're packing, we're packing, we're packing, we're packing. Amen. Pretty soon they got scared of me what I was going to ask them, so I left them alone. I said, I don't want to mess their heads up totally. You know, people get their mind blown and go sit in the corner, holy head for two days. I said, no, we ain't going there. Amen. But whenever God led prompted me, I said, don't forget to keep packing because you're moving. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We, we doing it. We did some yesterday. Uh, it's always, it's never, we're going to go do it now. We did some yesterday. Well, why'd you quit? I don't care if you put a toothbrush in a bag. Keep packing. You got me? I don't care if you put dust bunnies from under your <laughs> chair. Amen. In the vacuum cleaner. Keep packing. Amen. Keep yourself moving. Keep showing God your faith, in other words, and you'll see what he has for you. There is opposition to your promise. That's why you have to keep doing the actions that keep you in faith. The enemy will speak to your mind. You think Noah had an easy time building an ark and it had never rained on the earth before? People make fun of him, mocked him, until him drops start hitting them. Huh? And then everybody was believing. Well, it's too late for everybody then. At that time, it was just for Noah and his family. Amen. Anybody can join the party after all the chips are out and the dip is out and the chicken wings are, are fried. Amen. But how many want to get in on the preparation? Huh? Yeah, absolutely. So God has something for them people too. Amen. <laughs> so you have to watch your thinking and keep looking, looking for what God has and not let your mind settle in on the doubt and what's not there and on unbelief. Amen. And as you pray about these things, as you commune with God and fellowship with God, whether you have what you're asking for yet or not, Always thank God for it. Thanksgiving before you see it will allow you to see it because that's faith. Thanksgiving for something that isn't here yet is an expression of faith because you have it already by faith, by the substance of faith. You possess it. So as your faith rises, it will tell you to expect and to look and continue to look and expect. Our scripture we have for our offering, Amos nine thirteen through 15, says everywhere you look, blessings. So that's your look again scripture. Keep looking for what God's promised you. What you ask God for? Huh? You ask him to get rid of some bills. You ask him, oh God, I'm, I'm messed up now. I got four credit cards going at one time. <laughs> you know? <laughs> of course you can't beat the kid here, but, uh, but anyway, that's a whole different story. <laughs> but anyway, you know what I'm saying. You know when you've done too much too quickly and you regret it. And then, you know, I always ask God, I said, God said, have somebody send me some free money here, interest-free money. And sure enough, something will pop up in an email or something like this. You've been approved for interest-free for how many months? That's enough months for me to discipline myself and stop the foolishness huh? and get that thing paid off. You know, my late husband was good about that. He said, if you see free money, use it. Amen. He said, get off that interest payment. He said, get, get some free money sometimes, interest free money. So anyway, everywhere you look, blessings. So you gotta look and look with expectation. Amen. Acts chapter three, the man at the gate beautiful was healed because he looked. Huh? What did Peter and John tell him? Why don't we go there? Acts chapter three. I think it's in verse one. 
Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. Well, he was there every day, but today was his day. To ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go in, asked them for money. And Peter, fastening his eyes on him with John, said, look on us. Huh? Don't be distracted. That what that man was probably doing was expecting them to say no. And his eyes were shooting around for the next person that would give him something. You see, this is how he... He was looking for people to do something for him. And Peter and John made him do something different for a change. Look on us. And they said he looked at them expecting. And he said, nope, we don't have money, but we have something better. Amen. They had the name of Jesus and compelled him to get up and walk. Amen. I don't care what you ask God for. He knows what you need. You can ask him for what you want, but he knows what you need. And he'll give you your wants too. You understand what I'm saying? He won't disappoint that part of you that wants something, but he knows what you need. Amen? So he will take care of the need and the want. If that man gets up and walk, the money issue is not an issue anymore. Amen? He can go and work. Or he can go reclaim the family business. Whatever it is that he has waiting for him, God has that for him. Amen. So the blessing is in the looking. The blessing is in the beholding. The blessing comes from what you focus on. Are you focusing on what you don't have? Are you focusing on what God's word says belongs to you already? Amen. Healing belongs to you. Success belongs to you. Prosperity belongs to you. Everything you set your hands to will definitely prosper. Amen. Amen. Numbers 21 and verse 9. And that will be our last last one. The nation of Israel had sinned. Amen. They were Contending against Moses and Aaron. And that when you contend against God's servants, you contend against God. They're being obedient to God. And even disobedient servants, you have to be careful not being too critical about people who, who are serving God. At verse 8, God's, and the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looks upon it, shall live. Now we all know that fiery serpent is a type of Christ. That when we look at him, the serpent being held up on a pole meant that he was powerless against you anymore. And as they behold that that serpent had no power on them, they were healed. It says Moses made the serpent of brass, put it on a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had been any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. In other words, God wants us to look at those things and confront them if they oppose us. Not to run away from them and let them chase us and hunt us down, but to stand your ground, look at it and confront it and say, I'm not afraid to look at you. Even though you hurt me and caused me damage in the past, God has said that I have overcome you. Amen. And so the children of Israel then kept moving forward in the wilderness even though it was filled with fiery serpents as long as they looked at what God had for them which was health healing and wholeness and that the serpent had no power over them amen they were they were to live amen that symbol has power even now you know the um, medical profession has adopted that as a symbol of healing power Amen. And so it, those things that, that have power always have power. Amen. I think the children of Israel carried that thing with them for, for centuries, still thinking that after a while it didn't have power because they lost the revelation of it. But God always heals his people. He said, if you obey him, me, and, and do what I tell you to do, I will put no disease upon you, not any of the diseases that you know. 
will be put upon you because he becomes the God who heals you. Amen. Not the God who makes you sick. God does not make people sick. Amen. People make people sick through disobedience to God's law. But if you'll repent and obey him, healing will come to you. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop? Well, Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord. For blessing us with with knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and power. Uh, power comes through your word, and we thank you for the power that you placed in us today. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. Amen. If anybody needs...